I'm joined today by Brianna Wu, who is head of development at video game developer Giant Space Cat. The topic of discussion today is Gamergate. And if you have not been following this topic for people who may not be up to speed, Gamergate is sort of an online movement, and I recognize that that's kind of an amorphous term, that has uh, a two different, there are two different points of view on what it is. One is that Gamergate is a sort of uprising against what some claim is corruption, bias, fraud, nepotism within the gaming industry. And then there are critics, and, and I believe you are one of these critics, Brianna, who see Gamergate more as a kind of reactionary movement of mostly white male gamers, uh, and that it has a strong misogynistic and in some cases even racist underpinning. Tell us how you were initially brought into the Gamergate fold. A damsel in distress. According to the Newsweek story, they say that of the Gamergate-related tweets that mention you, 90% yes. are neutral, right? Yeah, and that there's somewhere around 3 to 4% that are positive, and maybe somewhere between 6 and 9%, I'm kind of estimating here, that were negative tweets. So when we, and this I think is a problem with these kind of amorphous movements, when you think of Anonymous or Occupy, what does it really mean to be part of that movement or not? But I guess the question that these numbers bring me to ask you is, what evidence do you have that the threats that you've asserted, you, you know, to have, to have received were from someone that is part of Gamergate or I guess endorsed by Gamergate and I don't even know if that's a term that has meaning because of the amorphous uh, excuse me the amorphous nature And let me okay, finish, yeah. let me finish, let me finish. So, so I, I've been very Why did you decide to publicize these threats? And the reason I ask this question is, I've been on the receiving end of a range that goes from just kind of petty hate mail to what I would consider a serious and actionable threat. We talk about the hate mail and the negative voicemails and that type of thing, but the five or so times that I've received what I considered serious threats, I went to the authorities and did not mention those, I did not post anything, I, and I was advised by federal authorities that it's better not to post those types of things. Why did you make the decision to so heavily publicize these actionable threats? Damsel in distress. I have to tell you, I feel like this is kind of a hit piece that you're doing on me right now, to be honest. So yeah. Last thing, let's address your allegation that this is a sure. hit piece. Uh, oh, whoa, no, whoa, let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's talk about that. Hold on a second. Well, in a moment, I want to answer your question first. Um, I feel like you're really putting me on file here. No, by no means, by no, no means. I think that that's an unfair allegation. Just trying to figure out what is actually you, going on You just on told here. me, you gave me a long monologue no about why you don't I have no horse in this race. aggressive hippies. Why would just say to, to you, figure out what is actually going on, going on here. You've asked me, like, a, one question to present my side, just and you've asked me what is some very, very aggressive questions. All I'm doing is I spent many hours researching 
And I don't want to be accused of not asking you the questions that others believe should absolutely be asked. I've not cut you off. I've presented you with a fair opportunity to answer every single claim. And I hope, I hope to have someone on with an opposing view next week or the week after you. And they will be asked all of the same tough, tough questions that you would want asked. So I take very significant issue with the allegation that this is in any way a hit piece. He was frankly beyond rude to me. What is actually going on here? Going on here. I am the victim of a crime. I've not cut you off. Opportunity to answer. I feel like this is kind of a hit piece. What evidence do you have here? A damsel in distress. I am also frankly in trauma. And the idea was this was a frat bro. Is that an, a sock puppet account? In trauma. Going to a television station. of apostasy now i'm not sure if you've been following gamergate or not basically this is a consumer revolt we're going to go into different details about it and the next episode is going to be with a different group also of people who are interested and involved in the discussion about ethics in game journalism journalism ethics as a rule and the part that ideology and the media plays in creating conflicts of this nature. So this episode, sorry guys for getting this out about a week after I wanted to. We have Subman, USN, we have John Bullock, we have Anton A. Hill, and my friend Terry Sacre. Look, I can tell you that my perspective on these types of matters is that everyone's entitled to their opinion, everyone is entitled to have their say. But some people's behavior and their dishonest tactics really piss me off. We've seen this sort of thing in other communities like the skeptic community where ideologues come in, they sit for a while, gain some reputation, some uh, influence, some popularity, and then they work together to try and force conformity to their uh, principles, their moral objectives. I don't like righteous crusades. So these guys, they came together to have a conversation about the matter, and I think you'll find what they have to say interesting, as always. And I would like to thank them especially. You'll even hear Anton's calling from the street and on a bus to be able to have the conversation. I really appreciate it, and I appreciate you all listening in. The next group that I have, uh, hopefully, will be some people who will be able to talk about a wider group of experiences yet. So buckle in. Let's get started on Apostasy Now. I'm very much a skeptic. More, I'm, I'm more of a skeptic than I am an atheist. I mean, atheist is a conclusion based on my skepticism. You'll have to come like a little child to the foot of the cross. That attitude is what is responsible for the rise of atheism. That's not what Islam is all about. Islam is peace. 
What is the penalty for leaving the Muslim faith? With a death penalty. Thank you. This is apostasy now. For people to get the information correct before they start yap, yap, yapping. Get ready to root for the bad guys. Because with E, evidence. All the evidence. Hey, Dragon, what's up? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Okay, cool. This is your first time on the show, so welcome. <laughs> Thank you very much. I've uh, I've listened to a couple of your uh, podcasts, uh, but uh, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of them, so I'm going to have to go back when I get time and, <laughs> and listen to a lot more. Uh, time is time is the one thing we all could use more of. Anyway, uh, who else were you going to bring on? So see if I know them. Uh, well, there were a few people who said they might show up. Uh, especially, I reached out to. Um, now I don't know their names off by heart, but there is about four uh, female GamerGate uh, advocates that were. I listened to some of their stuff. They sounded like they, they knew what they were talking about. So I mm-hmm. reached out to them, and some of them showed some interest. But apparently, they're not. Eh, it's just gonna be dudes talking about it again. <laughs> Great, couple of straight white, uh, straight right white hetero dude. You know, whatever. Far <laughs> <laughs> <Right>, of the course. <laughs> But but there are you know that's the that's the the lie right you know it's one of the lies is that women don't care about this they're all against GamerGate or these ridiculous little just uh, stereotypes. Yeah, I I noticed it. I saw a good video today. I was I tweeted out that it was that I liked it and um, it was by a female gamer and it was talking about all the you know why is it so that and there was also a good article by Lazy uh, Reap Reap show. Every time I see his 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 videos come up on my feed, he's lately he's been talking about Satanism. I'm like, is he got like is he a Satanist or what the hell's going on? I don't know. Oh, Reap, you have a Reap? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm I'm going to be finishing up his episode today on uh, what he's been doing with the Satanic Temple. Yeah, oh, it's yeah, it's 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 great. He's not uh, he, it's not one of those groups where they actually believe in the devil. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, what he's been doing is this is an activist. Most, they're mostly, well, they don't believe in the supernatural, but they're mostly atheists. So they use it in the sense of when an atheist comes up and says, you can't have the Ten Commandments up, they go, well, this is religious freedom. And then the atheist is like, well, I don't have a religion, you're infringing. And they're like, you don't have a right to have non-religious freedom. Only religious freedom is mentioned. So this is a way of attacking yeah. that, I think, directly going, well, we do have a religion. It's called Satanism. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm familiar with it. I just was, I didn't know if he was like, uh, if he was in, you know, because a lot of uh, uh, the atheists around are, you know, they we kind of applaud the Satanists, you know, from afar. You know, it's like, uh, it's great that they're trying to get their uh, Baphomet statue in Oklahoma or whatever, just to kind of, you know, sneer their nose at the at the establishment, but um, you know, by their own rules, kind of thing. So. But yeah. I didn't realize he was actually. Did you see the calls himself one? Did you see the image of the statue of Buffett or whatever that they created to put up next to the Ten Commandments? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's um, it's impressive. <laughs> I, it's a, it's it's designed to piss off the Oklahoma Bible Belt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hello. Hey, Terry, you there? Yeah, I'm. I'm only coming on for a few minutes, I think. So hope that's okay. Hello, am uh, I still there? Yeah, yeah, you're here. You're oh, here. Okay, good. I went away for a minute. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. So we got Terry and Subman both on here. Well, hey, thanks for Terry. Ta- Hello, Subman. What's up? 
Not much. You know, I hope you're not offended. Corey messaged me and said, "Sub man, USB is on is on my show," and I was like, "I don't know who that is." <laughs> USN, sorry, actually, it's USN. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah USB is what you plug into the computer. <laughs> That's what he types. Same word. <laughs> Let's see if see I'll if blame it on autocorrect. Is. I'll blame it on autocorrect. There you <laughs> go. Apple is responsible for everything. That's right. <laughs> no. Man, you have an Apple, right? Uh, but do you have a computer, uh, Terry, or uh, do you just have the uh, the iPad? We have Apple everything. So you know, yo, my wife is over saying she has, but I got rid. I used to have a PC, and now the only computer that we have is is the Mac that was just hers, but now it's ours. It's no, it's not. Yours. <laughs> it's <fine. laughs> so okay, so did you guys get Yosemite the new upgrade operating system? I'm not sure actually if that's an upgrade or not. No, I don't think so. So apparently, my my brother's done Apple longer than me. I'm still pretty new to it. I've only been doing it for less than two years. Apparently, every year they make a totally new upgrade for their operating system. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't understand why that's necessary for an arbitrary <laughs> every year type system. So now, one of my programs when I was doing my editing for Reap's show is he was my last guest. I had to go and get a whole new program just to do one of the processes on there because it just doesn't work anymore. That sucks. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm oh. sending Pony the uh, link or the your your name your your uh, Skype name. So if he contacts okay. you, yeah, I'll definitely I'll grab it. Okay. Well, since I have two guests right now, anyways, um, why uh, for you guys? When did you start noticing this Gamergate thing? What was the uh, the first time it grabbed your attention? When I listened to the last couple of your podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to Apostasy Now. You can catch it on uh, ApostasyNow.net. <laughs> so uh, I got to be. Uh, it's funny because um, uh, when my wife and I we were we were traveling to St. John's uh, to get her braces off there last week, and on the way back we were listening to we listened to one the one the first one that you had I think about Gamergate. And now I'm myself about halfway through, not even though I bet I guess a third of the way through uh, the the second one with the the people from the the Anti Social Justice Warriors podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. So I I, I got to be I don't know uh, it's the same I have the same sort of feeling about this as I do about like you know A plus the A plusers and all that sort of thing it's you know like I can understand the spirit behind some of it but I, the way that I, people's tactics are what really get me you know what I mean like yeah the way people do things um but I mean I just recently saw that was it Felicia Day she came out and talked about how she received threats and that sort of thing. No, I didn't catch that. Yeah. Yeah, because she's uh, on like a gamer. She's on like, she's a gamer and she does gamer stuff on YouTube, right? Is that her name? Right. Is this the person who I recently heard someone uh, apparently got a knife mailed to them? No. Over all this. I read read part of one thing that she had posted or something. She said that it was the first time that like she, she was walking down the sidewalk and saw like two guys dressed up as like characters from Halo or something like that. And and it was the first time she felt like she couldn't go up and just say, hey, I love that game too or whatever. She felt somewhat threatened, so she moved to the other side of the road. Now, she wasn't, I don't think she was going like all like fall to the wall crazy with like what she was saying with like some other SJWs or Gamergate people or whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, that, I don't know, I don't know her that well, but all the things I've watched by her I like and she seems like pretty legit for the most part. So, I don't know. The whole rape threat thing, when people are getting rape threats, even if they're, people aren't showing up on their door and stuff, the more I think about it, if you're constantly being berated by people telling you that they're going to rape you, even if it's online, like, it, it gotta be, 
somewhat scary. <laughs> I, for myself, I've I've never thought it. I, you know, if somebody wants to report that to the police or even withdraw, um, I've never had a problem with that. Um, I just I'm a little curious as to some some people in particular get hit with this, and you're not really sure why. I guess they're in the wrong conversation at the wrong time, and some jerk off decided to say something. But for some of us, like if I start getting threats from people because of my show. How could, uh, for myself, I'm like, I would never be able to excuse being dumbfounded by it. It's called apostasy now. I pretty much, the whole idea is, you can say whatever you like. And people will eventually get pissed off at something I say. Hmm. So it's kind of, I don't understand the ignorance of putting yourself in, in a controversial position in public. Uh, some of these people, not all of them, but some of them seem to be acting like they're mystified. I guess what I would, what I would be, what I find, if you look at the example you just used with apostasy now, like, you know, you're obviously saying you're an apostate, you're against religion. So, like, any number of, especially the Abrahamic religions, do have a kind of a violent streak through them. So if you're getting threats from people who have scriptures that have violent connections in them, there's there's some sort of logical pathway to that for them. You know what I mean? So, yeah. but, but if someone's speaking out about, I don't know, I mean, even if it's trivial, if someone's, like, I remember in that part of the podcast I was listening to when we were coming back from St. John's about, you know, like talking about Super Mario Brothers and the princess and all, you know what I mean? Like, like that's ridiculous, right? But all the same, if, if someone is saying that, you know, they, they, they think that it's somewhat misogynistic or uh, sexist or something like that, but then someone responds to them with a rape threat. And I'm not saying that that's happening all the time. I'm just saying that if it happens at all, it's just as ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I, I'm, no, I'm sure no one... No, no reasonable person is condoning these things. Yeah. The, the thing that really that bothers me about them, other than the fact that there are these idiots out there making these threats, is that they are uh, assigned uh, the, the entire Gamergate cabal, I guess, is assigned blame <laughs> for these things. You know, it's like everybody who's in Gamergate is making threats. Well, no, it's a couple of freaking idiots out there who are just, uh, you know, trying to get a rise out of you for the most part uh, and and are enjoying the the five minutes of, of your reaction that they get. And it's painting because it, it serves Gamergate not at all to actually have anybody in their group make these threats. So that kind of annoys me that they just paint it. Oh, yeah, it's all of them. Well, you know, unwarranted attacks, I think, has more to do with a psychological disposition than it does with a side on an issue. It's, it's almost arbitrary where they fall. You'll find them on any heated issue on both sides, making different types of completely inappropriate threats. Exactly. And and what works with these um, social justice warrior types, uh, if I can use that term, these, uh, you know, um, third wave feminists, what works on them? Rape threats. Anything even with the word rape in it, you know, that starts getting them spun up. And that's what, uh, that's what these, these trolls, these idiots want to do is they want to get them reacting. And, uh, like you said, it's probably just a couple of psychologically, I don't know, different than the most, <laughs> most of us yeah. people out there doing this. Yeah, I think it's something about, uh, I'm sure people have talked about plenty. I'm sure it's something about not actually having to see the person you are trying to victimize that unleashes what, what we see in such fervor, as opposed to real life, there are these disturbed people who will do it uh, in real life as well. But it's less often because in real life, people can see who it is. They'll eventually have repercussions for it. I, yeah, and I, I don't understand. That's what I mean there on both sides. I, what I don't understand is how uh, we're, we're getting major publications online proclaiming that Gamergates are a bunch of misogynists because of these attacks. And they're, it's like, okay, well, 
All you have to do is go online, and I'm sure you can find examples of people saying horribly inappropriate things against Gamergate. Yeah. That's well, That has nothing to do with the merits of the argument. All you're doing is commenting on a larger phenomenon that's been there for years. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, I think that just like, you know, all the other A-plusers and social justice warriors that are out there, you don't win... You, you're not winning any arguments by making sweeping generalizations in the opposite direction. You know what I mean? Like right. you're, just, yeah. you're 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 becoming what like Reap likes to say. You're becoming what you hate about other people. You know what I mean? Right. So and uh, I mean I just I remember I just had recently had a discussion with someone on uh, on uh, the my local atheist group or whatever and uh, on Facebook and he was making some sort of remark. He, he used the term mansplaining. <laughs> and I was like, I, I said to him, like, I said, like, you know, I understand what mansplaining means. It, 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 it me, you're referring to a man making an argument that he, obviously he's been blinded by his privilege, right? There's no doubt in my mind that, I mean, I know that there are men who have done this. But the term mansplaining is, is a sweeping generalization about man as a whole. And I wouldn't call it oppressive, and I wouldn't call it not in the same way that uh, not the word itself, but I would I would all, I would call it sexist, and I would say that you're not winning any arguments by using terms like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And some people tried to argue with me that it's okay for affected groups who are like who have been oppressed to use terms like that. And I'm like, how does that even make sense? Why Why would a group who has been oppressed want to do that or not oppressed, but to use language? That, that that could lead to that, you know, in the, in their own arguments. It just doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't it doesn't generate any thoughtful discussion. Right. Now I'm not saying people should shut up. I say, hey, if you want to say mansplaining, start to say it all the time. I don't give two shits what you say, but like. But you're just addressing the term. Yeah. Exactly. That... I'm gonna if if you're gonna use that term, I'm gonna say, look, you know, if you wouldn't want me to use some term to 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 say girl explaining or something like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that that would be you know, that would be it then, you know. I'd hey, be... you know what? And there's there's also the tone, right? I can tell when someone's joking around or when someone's serious. Uh if they say something in a certain joking tone, I can take a lot more than if they, you know, are pointed pointing their finger at me and saying something like you say that stereotypes or diminishes in some unfair way. It's well, weird though too, because I mean I mean it doesn't do them really any favors to isolate Let's take them at face value. Let's say that they are, in fact, oppressed in Western society, a fact which I don't actually subscribe to. But anyway, let's say that they're correct, and now they are coming out with these types of of terms that are, are, are separating the people who are in power from them even further. You would think it goes contrary to their stated goals, you know what I mean, to I, to, uh, to, you know, to, to make these people not really care about them anymore. You know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, this particular instance of the guy using the term mansplaining too, he was talking about that what Ben Affleck was saying when he was on Bill Maher, and like I was like, this is not even like <laughs> he referred to it. No, I, I'm, it was white mansplaining. That's what he. That's the term he used, and I was like. What does that even achieve? Like you got you got uh, like Sam Harris who is sitting across the table from him, and he's a white man. Is what he's doing is that white man's planning too? You know what I mean? Like it's it's so um, contrived, did you, did, it's so contrived, and people don't like it. Really, just shuts the conversation down. Like people are like, huh? What does that even mean? And I'm like, no, Ben Laughlin is just a fucking idiot. You know, <laughs> like he is like this ultra liberal 
person that has no clue about the nuances of yeah. a philosopher's argument, which is what Sam Harris is. And like, anyway, it's, it's getting comfortable on your end of a spectrum. He's very comfortable there. And well, okay, another example uh, would be um, what's his name? Is it Kank or Sink, the guy who hosts the Young Turks? Sink. Yeah. So I don't know if you've heard, he's been having guests on over the last few weeks that have been attacking Sam Harris. So Sam Harris came on a show for a three-hour interview you can find on YouTube. And uh, I posted it because I, I listened to the whole thing. And it's like listening to Sam Harris explain something to a angry child who just refuses to hear his talking, like what he's saying. Um, I, it was amazing to me because, I, you know, I have a lot of friends and I've listened to quite a bit of Young Turks over the years. It just seems like they've become more and more comfortable with a, quote, liberal perspective. And they're more and more proud of it. Uh, and they'll call the right ideological. But, you know, being liberal is also ideological, and they seem completely oblivious to this. <laughs> you know, extremes uh, are rarely a good thing. Um, well, I would agree. Um, Noel Plum had a video out, uh, just released it today, about uh, uh, the, the trying to tie this uh, liberal perspe uh, progressive perspective in with the atheism movements. And it was pretty good. But I, uh, as being a, a somewhat of a centrist here in the U.S., um, with, with maybe a little bit of libertarian leanings, I don't feel that movement atheism right now is exactly representative of, of somebody like me. And there are people even more conservative than me that are also atheists. And, and it's like they're trying to um, push those people away you know, it's like yeah. um, they want diversity of physical attributes, but diversity of uh, of political and and ideological or or thought is not necessarily advocated. So check that video out, Noel Plum. It's pretty good. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I yeah. like his stuff. I I watch. I also watched the full three hour video with that uh, with Sam Harrison. Oh, nice. Think and and I, you know, I don't even know if I don't think. Like when I when I look at like the extreme views on the left and extreme views on the right or you know conservative versus neo kind of neo conservative versus neoliberal whatever like I don't even view those very even as valid valid views because like you said they're ideological they're not yeah. based in reality right no the, it, the, and, yeah exactly and and what I what I find found interesting with this interview is that like he was being so I mean like he comes across he's not I mean this saint guy he's not like an idiot you know what I mean like, no he's not. He, you can tell he's very kind of learned. He knows a lot about the world, and he seems to be pretty straight up. But to me, it just seemed he was just unwilling to concede some of the most important points that Sam was trying to make. Like, like Sam was asking him quite literally, excuse me, like, can you imagine a time, can you imagine any situation where torture would be warranted? And he was like, no, absolutely not. Because you could never know what the, whether or not that person knew something for 100% certainty, right? And but that's not an argument. There's from a philosophical point of view, you can never know anything with 100% certainty. Right. So you know, we to try to pretend that we're unable to have enough knowledge to be able to make a logical decision about, say, we know because we've confiscated, you know, data and and say like what what Sam Harris said, we've confiscated this potential terrorist uh, laptop hard drive. We have enough information on him to know that he knows where a bomb is, where it's going to go off. And can you imagine that it that that would be uh, it would be more pertinent to torture him to try to get the information than to allow just allow the bomb to go off and two million people die, right? Yep. I mean, obviously it's a lot worse to allow the bomb to go off. So 
if it's reasonable to assume you might be able to get the information through torture, then that would be a time when when torture, while not yet ethical from an objective point of view, is the most ethical choice. Yes. Because not hard to imagine it. But this guy Sink was saying, no, 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 I can't ever imagine the situation. Yeah. I was like, that's total bullshit. You won't be talking so much smack with this up your butt. That's the anal umbrella. It's a good device, I grant you, but where's the splash card? You're going to kill me and your white shirt. It didn't, didn't come with a splash card. You're going to get hara on your trousers. I can see it has a screw hole for one. Apparently, I didn't get it. <laughs> yeah, the, the two basic things where I kept coming back to where I was getting upset with uh, the Young Turks, well, uh, with Sank specifically, because he was the one running the interview, was, uh, uh, you know, the two things that he wouldn't give in on was the hypotheticals and trying to go there based on our current understanding. And that's more, like you say, philosophical, uh, because Sam Harris is a very uh, cerebral man. In fact, I, I think he's a neuroscientist, actually, for if I remember correctly. Um, but at any rate, so he wouldn't meet him there most of the time, unless like, maybe it was convenient, I guess he'd go there. Um, and the other thing he would not admit to is when Sam would say, look, let's not conflate these issues you're putting together. In other words, talking points, right? He didn't say that, but that's what it kept going back to. Let's talk about breaking down the subject into the data. When I make these statements, I cite data, and you need to do the same. And he wouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, they were they, about halfway through the interview. He started saying, "Oh yeah, let's, we're going to look at the numbers. We're going to look at the numbers." And they never looked at the numbers because numbers don't lie. I mean, it's not to say that polling results are, you know, uh, you know, the be all, the end all, and they don't represent one hundred percent of the population. But we know something about what makes a what yeah. makes a study valid. You know, right? What I mean? It's an important part of informing a discussion. Absolutely. I didn't see that uh, particular video. I did pull it up on you on uh, Google here, so I'm kind of not not able to comment on. It. I didn't even see it. Sorry. Well, if you get a few hours when you're doing something else and you can listen to it on the background, uh, it's worth yeah. it's worth listening through and just kind of seeing this. Uh, I don't know. I get the sense that the left in North America, maybe maybe in Europe, I'm not sure, but at least in North America, the left has become very successful socially speaking, and I think they're becoming a, a victim of their own success because they're becoming more self-assured of their positions. That part is not good. I agree with a lot of what the left tries to do, but it's their attitude or their methods that I often disagree with on a lot of a lot of these issues. Well, the biggest problem is that they're, they're willing to stand up and criticize bad ideas, but they're not willing to uh, commit to whatever actions are necessary to change the world, right? Often, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, they're more than willing to say, oh my God, it's abhorrent that in the Quran it says, or in, or let's just not get on, let's not harp on the, on the Muslims or whatever, or on Islam. That it's absolutely abhorrent that in, in the Christ, in the, in the Bible it says, you know, uh, I don't know, stone a woman if she gets raped and, you know. Yeah. Like, like, they'll say that's abhorrent, but, you know, uh, actually, that's not a good example. You almost have to go back to Islam. You have to go back to Islam because Islam is not being modernized in the same way Christianity has. And this is what right. this, this is what Sam Harris is trying to say. That um, he's not saying that all Muslims are bad. He's saying that Islam has not gone through the same transitions that Christianity has. And and even there's a difference in the like. It, he's so precise when he when he gives his arguments. Uh, Sam Harris is that I, I, it, to me, you'd have to be like uh, a half-brained monkey not to understand what he's trying to say. <laughs> yeah, so, that's what I meant. It's like to a child. Often he, you can tell he's slowing down and he's speaking slower even yeah. 
to try and help him understand. He, he literally says, okay, in Christianity, they have the Old Testament and the New Testament. Jesus comes and says a lot of very hippie, peaceful things. Sure, he, he, and the reality is that he, Jesus, he does say some violent stuff, but not near as much of what goes on in the Old Testament. Right. right? Yeah. And, and like, he makes the point of saying that Christians and Jews are waiting around for the Messiah. There is no, nothing in the Bible that tells the Christians or the Jews to to spread their faith through conquest, right? Right. But in the Quran, that there is though there are those passages, and right. there isn't a second coming in the Quran that that helps people let go of the violence of the yeah, old was, way, and, right? And, so and, he, is, and he, he points out too that Muhammad was a was an actual military in his in his own way a military person that went for conquest himself. That's the example, and and he doesn't condemn everyone who believes the faith and on that that's not what he's talking about he's he, he, he tells them this is a challenge these are the challenges we are facing and why it's harder to get through to this kind of religious culture because they have these uh archive or these uh archetypes uh, that they're looking at and the truth of the matter is that a lot of these neoliberals they're not they're they're not really trying to be these moral relativists that really believe a lot of that stuff. They're scared shitless that if they speak up about it, that they're going to get bombed or whatever, just like the rest of us. But yeah. some of us got enough cojones to stand up and say, <laughs> this is wrong. Like, I don't care if I say something and then... You know, my my neighbor down the road, who maybe is not as in my fa in in my face about his religion, and might be thinking to himself, "Infidel," you know what I mean? Like, and you know, uh, well, you are a dirty infidel. So. Well, but, yeah. <laughs> but, but but like, I don't care. Like, I understand that if I was living in a country other than Canada, that I might care a bit more, and I would have to think about this. But like, to me, you will never make any positive changes. Unless you stand up in spite of all the challenges. And I'm not saying it's easy. It isn't easy. But people in the West that do, that do have these comfy, comfy armchairs and houses they can sit up in and, and, and make these statements should be making these statements. Yeah. Right? To give power and shelter to the moderate Muslims who will, who do want to speak against it. Right. Anyway. Yeah. I've been accused too, uh, at times online, some people, not often, but I have been accused of being hateful of, of people who are Muslims. And I, I I always try to point this out, that it's not that I hate Muslims. It's I want them, like everyone else, to have opportunities that, that they can achieve more than they're achieving. And the dangers affect us, but also we're missing out as a species on everything that they, as a society, could be, you know, contributing. There's no reason that, like, I don't look at Muslims and go, they're too stupid to have a, a man in space. They're not. It's just that the development of their society has held them back in that regard. So it's they they try to cast judgment, like make it sound like a, a, me or other people like Sam, whoever speaks out, when they can't win the argument, they try to make it sound like there's some kind of judgment going on. It's just not the case. It's a judgment about the issues and uh, identifying the dangers and the difficulties. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, oh, I don't know. It, it, to me, it, it's funny, actually, because I have a friend who, uh, he's, he's actually uh, a Muslim, and... Uh, and he's kind of kind of struggled with his faith over the years. And, and, you know, I was always open about my atheism to him. And he was like, uh, he recently posted something and he made a comment about Sam Harris being a bigot. And I went on there on his post and I said, you know, Ali, honestly, I got to disagree with you here. You're just 
it was basically based on that Reza Eslan. Um, oh yeah. He had said, and and anyway, so I found that when when the video, the three hour video came out, I linked to that for Ali, and he watched it, and he actually saw. He said, you know what? You're absolutely right. When you view Sam's uh, uh, ideas in context, he is not a bigot. He's actually got some very thoughtful and interesting criticisms of Islam. And so it's it's nice to see that you know you can you can get through to people, right? And you can have a reasoned discussion about this. Uh, it's possible. And like the people who are on the two extremes of the spectrum, uh, the liberals, the extreme liberals, and extreme right wing, whatever, yeah. they they like to claim that it's not possible to have a discussion like that. But you can. So so to bring to bring it back to video games a little bit, <laughs> uh, I like to say I like to say when politically or socially speaking, when you go so far right or left, it's is a sphere. And you meet on the other side at the same place of ugliness, or hate. Both sides will meet up in that same kind of oh, horrible place. So um, I have a friend. He is he's in the video game industry. I'm not going to say a lot about him because we disagree on on these particular issues. But he's a great guy. But on issues around feminism and uh, Gamergate, any of that stuff, we do not see eye to eye at all. And so, anyways, he had a post on. Uh, he's also into comic books, and it has the artwork from, I don't know if you heard about the controversy about Spider-Woman issue one. They had special covers that were being designed by an Italian artist. Nope. <laughs> I heard a little bit about uh, Spider-Woman that was, was, they're not doing Spider-Man anymore. It's going to be Spider-Woman, but anyway. Well, the controversy uh, that broke out was that they said it was sexist um, and misogynistic because she was in a Spider-Man pose, but she's a woman. So oh, 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 because butt, of that, yeah, okay, I got you. Yeah, her butt was up in the air. And then they started <laughs> pulling out other pictures of women who were, like, sh coming towards the, the, you know, shooting at you in the picture, and they're like, look at their boobs are hanging out. <laughs> so, I mean, I went through this argument on the post that he put up, and I basically found that there were a bunch of talking points. You couldn't say anything. I, I, would, I would address an issue they had, and then another issue would come out. And it got to the point, and I'm not kidding where it was, think of the children. <laughs> I am not even kidding you. <laughs> And so I said, you know what? Because they're all liberals that were arguing me, right? Like way over on the left. So I'm like, all right, don't worry, everyone. I've saved the children. I have a perfect new Spider-Woman design. And I put up a hijab picture. Because <laughs> they've gone so far over to the left, they've now met up on the right with what they hate. Like I try to tell them, like, women's empowerment sometimes comes through their sexual prowess. You know, if, well, if I... Here's the thing, to sorry to interrupt you, but like, yeah. uh, to me, a an honest... Uh, I think feminist, true to the original meaning of the term, or like the first wave, is that a woman should be empowered by what, however means that she feels, as long as she's the one who chooses how she wishes to be portrayed and be empowered, and she's making those choices herself, then right. that is the definition of empowering someone, right? Like, yeah. if if a woman wa wants to be a bit like wants to uh, show off her body or whatever, then she should be told by no one, including other women, that she's not permitted to do so. Right. If a woman chooses to be conservative, she should be told not by anyone nor other women that she's not allowed to be conservative in, in how she dresses is what I mean. Right. Just on that specific topic. Like the whole point is no one can tell no one should be telling women how to portray themselves. 
Exactly. Yeah. My, yeah. my wife is like my wife is there carving a pumpkin now. She loves to bake. She loves to cook. And like, how wrong is it to tell a woman who maybe just so happens to enjoy doing things that are associated with the the stereotypical gender roles that now she's a gender traitor, or now that they, she's not a true woman, she's doing women a disservice. Like, like it doesn't make sense. <laughs> Yeah, now, I, I wrote a post about exactly what you were talking about, uh, Mr. Dragonbeard, uh, with uh, uh, the right and the left meeting in the middle uh, at the back end. Yeah, <laughs> um, and at the back end of society. At, at the back end of the <laughs> spectrum, it all just kind of circles back around again. I, I, I had noticed that before, too. And the the thing I uh, – the original intent, and, in, and if any of you know Miss uh, Christina Hoff Summers, she's been involved in this Gamergate issue, too. Yep. In fact, she's going to have another video out Monday. Her uh, her type of fem her brand of feminism now is more in lines with what second wave or somewhere between first and second wave. It's all about uh, giving women the choice. You know, yeah. women can be if you want to be a homemaker, that's fine. Be a homemaker. Uh, you know, if you want to go out and and become a CEO, that's fine. Go out and do that. Um, and and that I think is more in line with the I, original like you like. Uh, um, like what? I'm sorry. Like uh, your other guest was saying, is is was the original intent, Terry? Yeah. Sorry, my my oh, brain. Okay. I'm 50 <laughs> now, so my brain is is a little <laughs> a little porous. It's like uh, you know, I wear my colander anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's and 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 these people, the, the new wave of social justice, they they reject uh, Miss Summers and her entire philosophy as uh you know gender traitor you know and and you're not a real feminist and blah 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 you're just holding up the status quo and i'm like wait a minute no she's saying you can do whatever you want that's what's <laughs> yeah. i don't get it yeah and so and one of the things i like about her attitude is she acknowledges people want to agree with each other on everything I like that. I think that is a starting point for someone to start a discussion. Where they're like, I know we're going to disagree on some things. Now let's break this discussion down. Uh, I, I, I don't know if you saw it, you guys, but I did my first Storify. And it I was, it. yeah, yeah. It was, all I did was I took the editor of Gawker was like throwing schoolyard attacks, uh, on Twitter at Miss Summers. And I just took the, with a couple of people's like kind of reactions to it along the way. Um, and I had over a thousand views in three days. Um, she's gaining a lot of respect, and I think the main reason is she's not throwing mud. She's not getting down to their level, and I think more and more people, when they find out about her, respect that, even if they don't always agree with her. I mean, at least you can respect that. Absolutely. Uh, I've been following her for um, a little over a year now, I think. Uh, saw her stuff, and I, I need to get one of her books, though. But I've been following her videos and her, uh, some of her articles that she puts out in the mainstream media a lot of it though turns up in in a little like off off the mainstream media just off the mainstream but anyway i've been following her stuff for a while and she has some really good ideas she always seems to uh resort back to studies and digs deeper digs digs beneath the surface of the studies and 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 goes into the to the details and that is impressive to me i don't know if either of you had a chance yet but uh um I think it's the last one that I put up is uh, the last episode I put up is the one with Anton, Sheila, and Zoe. Right. And uh, I personally don't identify as a feminist, and I've constantly online run into feminists I've had trouble with. But 
I wanted to have an example. These are three excellent examples I figured. Get them on the show, have a discussion about it, of feminists who are not insane. <laughs> They're very grounded. I can agree with, we were agreeing with each other throughout the entire conversation. And so I just wanted to make sure that my show was not crapping on anyone who identifies that way unfairly, you know, like stereotyping. Um, and I think that they would have a very interesting discussion with her about a lot of these issues where I don't think the, th the four of them, if they all sat down, agree or not, I don't think it, re it would re uh, devolve into, uh, you're a liar, you're a shithead, you know, um, I guess misogynist would work since they're all feminists, but Anton was there, so they could, they could try it with him. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm going to take off in just a couple minutes, uh, but I want, there's something I wanted to say, and I think what you're talking about there really hits the core of it, that I don't think enough people are talking about, is when you use a term like feminism, and say you want to compare it to something like humanism, yeah. it, feminism is not an inclusive label, right? Like, you don't have to be an atheist or a skeptic, or you don't have to be anything to be a feminist. I, I mean, I'm talking about now just the first wave dictionary definition of right. feminism. Yeah. So, like, all you have to do is someone who be someone who um, not just believes, but is also willing to somewhat be an activist for, uh, you know, advocating for the rights of women so that they're equal to men, right? So yeah. what I think people like lose sight of is that like when you get certain brands of feminism or even just particular feminists with other views is that they're forgetting this is not an inclusive label. Um, you know, like if you're also a humanist or if you're also an atheist, then your feminism is going to have very different ramifications, right? right. Yeah. Your ideas of how to empower women are going to be completely different, right? right? And so a lot of people forget that. And this is why sometimes that term is not always the most useful. Someone recently said to me, like, or posted on our local group that they, when they hear people say, I'm not a feminist because I'm about equal rights for everybody, that he said that he thought that was bullshit. And I, and I haven't responded to him yet. I think I'm going to wait till we actually have a group meeting to respond to him. But the, the, my biggest issue is that, is that you're, if you're going to say you're, say, a feminist activist, you're fighting for the rights of women. That is the definition of it. Right. Yeah. For me personally, um, I prefer a more inclusive label. It's not because I don't think that the rights of women are worth fighting for. But as a humanist, I believe the rights of everybody are worth fighting for. And I'm not also implying that feminists don't want to fight for anyone else's rights. They do. But saying you're a feminist doesn't imply that you're about equal rights for everybody. It just tells people about one part yeah. of you. Right. Especially especially with the fighting going on these days, I think it's important to at least include some other descriptor in there. Yeah, and it's one-dimensional in the same way that atheist is one-dimensional. It doesn't tell you yeah. anything about the person, right? Oh, yeah, I've met some real doozy atheists online. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> so I think that it just sometimes shows the limitation in our terminology sometimes, you know what I mean? Like, there's, people have a failure to understand the situation just because they can't understand language. And people love to say, oh, well, but, you know, the word has changed so much over the years, and I'm not denying that that happens, but I'm saying that, like, if you cannot have, if you're going to have a discussion, especially a heated discussion or, or, or technical discussion, you have to have some sort of agreement on what the words are going to mean before you start, because otherwise it's pointless. I heard somebody, um, I, I like what you were just saying, Terry. I was, I've heard somebody say that um, a, a better system than applying a label like feminist or, um, you know, humanist or even, or whatever, is to actually just scrap the labels and tell me what you believe. Of course, yeah. that that takes a lot longer. And if you're mostly in with, you know, it, that's what the labels are there for. You get all these things that are lumped under one label and 
you know, but it would be much, much more productive, I think, if instead of saying, okay, we've got a feminist and we've got a, you know, whatever, a libertarian here and we're going to have a discussion. Or if you just said, what do you believe about X, Y, and Z? The the other thing you could do, too, is that if you're starting out a conversation and someone says, I'm an atheist or I'm a feminist or I'm a humanist, then you understand that there, you know, yes, there are dictionary definitions for that, but how people apply their philosophy is going to be dependent on what the, the, uh, the nuance of their belief is. So, like, when we start out and someone tells me they're a feminist, I don't automatically think, oh, here we go. I think that's interesting. I'm I'm curious about what they think of certain things. So just like the as, as the social justice warriors shouldn't be judging anyone who has who disagrees with them, we shouldn't be ultimately knee jerking and and judging people just because they identify as feminists, right? Like this is what we need to stop doing is judging people based on one word. Judging people based on one word. Tom, I'm standing in South Park, Colorado, where the first annual Metrosexual Pride Parade is underway. We're here. We're not queer, but we're close. Get used to it. We're here. We're not queer, but we're close. Get used to it. That's funny because you were you had Zoe on, uh, Zoe Jen from... Uh, the Scottish Norwegian. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yep. <laughs> uh, I actually, uh, John and I were uh, were talking on on Twitter. I actually started my Twitter account uh, over the Pesky Dames YouTube thing. But anyway, so John and I were discussing things with them, and uh, Zoe comes in and says, "Well, I'm a feminist, and I'm not like that." And we started talking to her, and I realized that, hey, here's a feminist who's who's actually reasonable on many many points but still comes under that label. And that was the first clue that I had that feminists, feminism or feminists could be, uh, you know, people like that, that, that didn't, uh, you know, they could be reasonable, that could be discussed with. Well, I think that um, we, need to, we need to call a spade a spade. If you're a feminist or a humanist or, or whatever you are, and what you do is you try to make your arguments by name-calling and, and degrading people, that you might, also, you might be a feminist and you might be a humanist. Guess what? You're also a fucking asshole. <laughs> Look, you are an asshole. If, you do, if this is what you think is going to create change in the world, guess what? You're a dick. I do not care who you are or how you identify. You are not a nice person. Like, this yeah. is what we need to say. It has nothing to do with their labels. It has everything to do with who they are as a person and what they think is going to get through, which, you know, and why they think that, who knows, right? Yeah. Maybe, they're, maybe they're playing to an invisible audience, but... Well, the, the ends justify the means to anyone who's a true believer. Yeah, right. Exactly, right? And, yeah, we all have to drink the Kool-Aid first, right? So <laughs> Actually, I'm, I'm told it was freshy. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm going to take off. Okay. And well, it, was, it was, thanks for having yeah. me on. It was enjoyable. Hey, before you go, uh, since I'll be editing the show, as I always do, did you want to do any kind of uh, plug or bumper? Uh, sure. I'll say, if you want to hear uh, Terry Sacre, you can find him on Apostasy Now. <laughs> <laughs> this particular episode. Um, uh, no, uh, and I'm also on Reapso Radio. I have a blog, uh, analyzeatheist.tumblr.com. And uh, I don't I haven't posted much there lately, but if you want to read my archives, go check it out. Okay, that's it. Okay, thanks, Terry. Yeah, no thanks, problem. Terry. You want to say hi to, t- uh, to Anton before you go? He just hi, Anton. It. Hey, hey, kids. <laughs> Anton. Sir. What's hey, up? See, see you, Terry. It, yeah, buddy. Is that Subman? No, yep. Terry, no. <laughs> so well, now we... it's, it's, it's Subman, Anton, and myself. Woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anton and no, I did it. Uh, so yeah, Anton uh, had me on one of how, on his um, atheist bleep uh, show <laughs> <laughs> before exactly. it changed into bleep. So yeah, yeah. We're, we know each other. Ah, oh yes, and oh, you I sound good on here. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's a nice, clear, strong, masculine voice that isn't sissy at all. <laughs> <laughs> now wait a second, Brian Allenson, but was that passive aggressive? <laughs> oh. I... <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about him. <laughs> but, but yeah, of course it's passive aggressive. We we were just covering uh, quite a bit of territory. It was kind of revolving a, like around uh, Gamergate. But I was I was just thinking something. Um, Subman, it's your first time on the show. Now uh, you, you're a skeptic, clearly, right? Uh, for the most part, yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you're an atheist or not. Um, do you follow a lot of what goes on with the uh, organizations, skeptic organizations, and and uh, atheist groups? Uh, I am, uh, <clears throat> yes, I'm uh, probably uh, about a 6.7 or so on the Dawkins scale. <laughs> okay. All so, right. Wow. Um, you know, uh, and, and I do follow, um, I follow the um, goings-on with uh, Michael Nugent versus Free Thought Blogs recently. Uh, yeah. Wow. The, the athe- I've been around since um, the Atheism Plus thing uh, yeah. first started. <laughs> well, not first started, but sometime after that. Um, a little bit with, uh, um, and Justin Vakula. I don't know if you remember the big to do with, uh, having him, uh, uh, yeah. removed from his, uh, secular student. Oh yeah. My first, if you ever go back and listen to my first episode, it's brutal, but I have a whole section attacking the way he was treated by, uh, the president yeah. of American Atheist yeah, when he I came would... on the show. I was on yeah, that. I, I was never really clear on some of that. Oh, I was saying I, I, I was not clear on a lot of that stuff, but I talked to him directly. Uh, the reason I asked the question was I have that Lee Moore asked a question uh, a couple months back, I guess, about whether people are still following CFI, whether they're involved with it and groups like this. And my response was, and I, I think there's something very strong to this. These groups form while atheism and skepticism was first on the rise. Right. And what has happened is they are not prepared for the growing diversity of political ideas and social ideas. And they've mm-hmm. stacked they've stacked some of their key positions with these crazy people who divide their potential audience or their potential donator base. Yeah. Oh yeah. I know who you're talking about now too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was uh, uh the Ron Lindsay Yeah. There's the... I think it may have expired now, but uh was a CFI member for a while. Yeah, and, and I think if you look at it, all their all of their donations are going down. Are their politics than they are in their skeptics? They, you're absolutely right. They are driving a wedge between the the old group, the old core group, and the and the new, uh, much more politically active groups, which yeah. is uh, analogous again to gamers. The gamers is what what they're saying is that the old core gamer group. Is uh, you know, is resisting the new core group of gamers, but I don't see that happening. Anyway, I, agree I don't see it that. happening because I have a friend. I have. A, I wrote about this before. I have a friend who's about half my age. Uh, he's uh, a, a person of color, and um, uh, he's an acquaintance from from work that I would. Uh, we I, I noticed him playing a video game on his phone, and I said, "Oh, hey, do you play games?" And we got to talking, and he's a huge, you know, gamer. He's got the PlayStation Four and everything. And I and we got to become friends strictly through games. And there's no way that someone half my age, <laughs> uh, with with a different background than I have, obviously a different perspective on life, 
uh, there's probably no other way that we could have become friends. And I see games as a way of bringing people together more so than uh, separating them. And, and it seems to me that these, the ideologically driven people, are trying to separate people. Yeah. And games as, as a whole, in my opinion, is something that is meant to bring people together. Are you, um, are you familiar with Kabuki Theater from Japan at all? <laughs> I know. Random question, right? <laughs> I've I've heard of it. I have not seen any of it. Um, it it's that's real white pasty face uh, makeup on and uh, very formalized movements and stuff like that. Is that what you're talking about? Oh yeah. Well, there's there's a few different types of uh, theater that are traditional in Japan. Mm -hmm. uh, the the particulars are not that important though. Uh, I guess so. The reason I ask the question is. When I was in university, I, what I studied was theater, and I did a project on it, so I'm not an expert. But what I can tell you that's well-known about Kabuki is that at the time when it really rose to popularity, um, it what was happening at the time is the Shogun was in charge, and there was a caste system, a very strong mm -hmm. particular caste system. And this type of theater, people were going into basically what we think of as basically bars with a theater, I guess, and warriors and craftsmen and uh you know farmers they were all sitting there together in the same seats enjoying the show right and this was a serious problem uh from the shogun's point of view because he depended on this caste system so they made a series of laws where they first they said okay uh it, it can't be uh women that do the theater anymore <laughs> so they replaced them with young boys right and like okay it has to be older men that do it so then they would get the you know the best most skilled and best, you know best looking men, and the problem continued to the point where they had them shave the top of their head and put their hair in a ponytail to make them look uglier. <laughs> and just this idea of social engineering that some people are so threatened that ideas and persons and views will mix. That's what gaming does, especially online gaming. Is yes. people like you say that would never meet or be friends are able to exchange ideas while they're doing something they enjoy together. Yes. Some, some people are threatened by that. I, it, it, it's that, um, yeah, and, and it's that authoritarian mindset, I think. Uh, we, like, we, we want this message to go out, but if everybody is, is mingling from all different parts of the community and they're, and they're getting together and they're exchanging ideas, our message gets diffused. And so we're going to attack that, you know. Yeah. Can you guys hear me any better? Yeah, hey, Anton, Anton's we can hear you. Oh, yeah. I, I wanted to give it a rest until I was off the bus because I thought it would be too much of a struggle. So I'm going to interrupt that test. <laughs> were you able to hear anything we were saying? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I've heard everything. I just, I, I felt like rather than going back and forth with the whole, can you hear me? I just would <laughs> I let you guys go and uh, shut the fuck up. I, I would shut up and listen and then... Uh, <laughs> I, I really, I shouldn't mock that so much. I understand the sentiment behind it. It's just so much fun to mock. <laughs> <laughs> you got um, any, any, uh, any ideas on what we were talking about or objections? Well, you know, I, I, I'm not. Well, uh, you're, you're wrong. Um, <laughs> there we go. Um, <laughs> well, that'll be the first time, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I'm not as social on gaming as, as I think uh, you guys are, but I recognize that uh, quality of it, and I. You know, you're reminding me somehow of um, Bayonetta 2. It just came out and got a 10 out of 10 on GameSpot. And uh, Sarkeesian commented on it, as uh, she's wont to do. And, and I, I want to make clear, I don't hate her. i just not a fan. I just don't really give a shit about her. And, and yeah. I, she can have her opinion, and she can even spew her opinion as much as she wants. I really don't care about that. What I care about is how she doesn't really base anything on fact. <laughs> yeah. And uh, 
I, I, I was actually kind of not, not with her. Uh, I want to be clear. I, I did not agree with her, but I, I was absolutely for her right to safely speak her opinion without being attacked, either physically or verbally. Uh, and I still maintain that, but, um, I saw some tweets of hers recently where she was basically, oh God, you guys probably saw them too. It's basically like, like men shoot people. And if we just kill men, then men oh, yeah, men. That was men. And that's where she really lost me. It's like, lady, look, I'm, I'm perfectly happy to support your right to speak your opinion as much as I completely disagree with it, but to, and, and to slander Gamergate and to basically to use the platform that you have solely in order to push this pretty demonstrable horseshit. It's like, <laughs> well, fuck you then. You know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not retracting my, my stance that she has the right to say what she wants, but it's I, I just find it really hard to even pretend like I'm kind of with her anymore because it's like, well, as far as I know, no one who uses the hashtag Gamergate has said such things about her. Now, I might be wrong about that, but I don't think it's happened. But more specifically, you guys reminded me of Bayonetta too because um, she said some tweet about how sexist it was. And I, I'm honestly confused about this stuff because I have heard the complaint that women don't want to be overly sexualized in video games or other uh, forms of media. But what I don't understand, and it's a sincere misunderstanding, is at what point is it over-sexualized? I, I, is it even measurable? I, I really highly doubt it. And it sounds to me like Oh, there's, there's a bus on by, so I might get loud. Uh, it sounds like <laughs> over-sexualized is in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. But where we get in trouble with that is, and uh, and I sent a tweet about this to her uh, and the Gamergate, where I said, basically, good thing that we have an agency to give us our opinions, otherwise we might have to use evidence, logic, and reason. <laughs> uh, because it, it's like, okay, she is free to have her opinion that Bayonetta 2 is sexist. I have no problem with that. What I have a problem with is everyone else going, oh, well, she said so, therefore it must be. It's like, well, wait a minute. I Now, I, I played a little bit of it in a demo, and yeah, there were uh, at least two gratuitous shots that were used, you know, where the camera flies by the body really closely. But I really, I don't, I don't understand where the line is drawn of when something is over-sexualized. Like, when is it just sexualized, or when is it just... I don't know. You know, you, you look at the average um, movie post for a male-oriented film, and nine times out of ten, there's a guy with a gun. Yeah. Well, at what point is that over gun line? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. And, and or, 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 you know, um, women, I hear women complain about being objectified, and I think many of the complaints are grounded in fact. But I can't tell you how many ads I've seen where guys have, like, ripping muscles and, or rippling, not ripping. <laughs> And, you know, they're greased up, and it's like, well, that's objectification, isn't it? I mean, isn't it? <laughs> and if not, then where, yeah. how are we defining this? Right. So I get really troubled when people make absolute statements about subjective things. It's like, okay, great, you have an opinion, Sarkeesian, good for you. Um, so do I, and uh, my platform is not as big or as loud as yours, but that doesn't make me wrong, and it doesn't make you right. So I, well, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, like you say, it's in the eye of the beholder to a certain extent. I can agree... When I watch, for instance, some old black and white movies, the way right. some the way some women are portrayed in those movies, I can agree very easily that this is demonstrating some pretty bizarre ideas and and often degrading ideas about right. women's intelligence or their significance because it's not for the plot that they're portrayed that way. It's a right. it's sort of just a background constant. And uh, well, whereas, in fact, whereas some arguments that are being made about what's offensive, it's like, well, right. really, this is just archetypes stuff that's moving a story along or it's sensationalism of some kind 
So well, or, or, or two, I, I've been stressing for months now, if people really have a problem with the way games are doing things, they, there is nothing stopping anyone anymore from making their own games. And I cite Hotline Miami, which I which is extremely violent, and uh, I would say almost misinterest in its violence. Um, and it was made on Game Maker. I mean, you could download Game Maker right now for free. I don't know that you could publish it free, but you can download it for free, and you can use it for free. So there is nothing stopping people from making well-received. Now, maybe 3D games with, like, full stereo, 3D, you know, whatever, that's a bit big of a challenge, and I'm not going to deny that, but if anyone out there wants to make a game where, like, a woman does nothing but kick men in the head until their brains explode, <laughs> there's nothing... Th no, seriously, there's nothing stopping you from I believe that, at all. I believe that the goal is in the balls until they explode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, because that's the thing, is when I first started hearing arguments about, oh, you know, uh, inclusion of women in games, I'm like, okay, I, I am willing to suspend my disbelief and say that, that women perhaps are not as represented um, in the workforce uh, you know, as in terms of designers and artists and um, as characters as perhaps they should be. But I don't know. I mean, and, and let's just go so far as to say that's men's fault. Like, okay, it's all it's all on us. But there's nothing like, uh, you know, look at Depression Quest. A, a woman and like two guys sat down and made that. Nothing stopped yeah. them. Uh, some would argue that they got a lot of help uh, <laughs> in some perhaps uh, inappropriate ways. And I'm not making that argument because I don't care. But they made it. They made it. They released it. People played it. I played it. I reviewed it. I gave it a fair. Um, you know, nothing stopped her. Nothing at all. Yeah. Hey, John, are you there? I am. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Oh, it's me, Greg. Excellent. <laughs> My old buddy, John. <laughs> Hello, Sam. Hi, hey, John. <clears throat> Anton. <laughs> oh, oh I, I get a shout out too. <laughs> hey, hey, John, get, get lazy to, to chill the fuck out, man. <laughs> God, he was ripping into me yesterday. It's like, damn. <laughs> that's that's just how he mates. It's his mating call. Oh, like you, you know, you know, I, I that crossed my mind. I was like, wow, I think he must fuck me really hard. <laughs> wow. You know, I, he, he could just say so. I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be insulted. The, big, anyway. the, uh, the, the bigger tragedy for that is that if he gets wind of the fact that he was mentioned on this podcast, he will hate you even more because then he'll have to listen to this podcast as well just to see if he gets mentioned again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we've, we've been trying to calm Lazy down for a while. I don't think it's possible, actually. <laughs> That's so, part of his charm, actually. So what have I missed? How long have you been on for? Uh, we've know. been talking, well, it's, it started with uh, uh, me and some man, and then Terry joined, and Terry left, Anton came on at the exact same time, and now you're here. So oh, we've, gone, we've gone through a few different areas. Since you're the newest one, why don't you just tell us, maybe we'll just start with uh, uh, what I asked some man at the beginning is, when did you first notice uh, Gamergate going on? When did it first hit you? Uh, when all the stories came out basically saying that game, quote gamers were all misogynist dude bros who are trying to exclude women and minorities from gaming, that was that was a yeah, point where I took dude notice. Bros. That's important. <laughs> yeah, that was the point where I took notice because of that that I I was basically the people they were talking about. I was like, oh, I don't exclude women. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, in fact, there's there's one person that I game with fairly regularly, although I haven't spoken to her for a while who she's pretty much the only person that I game with on a regular basis. She happens to be a woman. So <laughs> Some of my best friends are women. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. Some of my best wives are women. <laughs> Some of, but not all. Some. Yeah, no. no. Some of them are guys. <laughs> I was uh I was sitting with a friend while he was playing Battlefield Four. I, I I 
I guess I can't consider myself a gamer right now because I just don't have the time for it. But when my life changes to allow it, it will happen again. <laughs> so I was watching him play oh. Battlefield 4. And when you're watching this and he's in the heat of it and it's going with like 60 some odd people all trying to kill each other. The idea that there are people here in this moment worrying about who's a misogynist and what, what the value of men and women are. Like, it's bizarre. It's so alien. Well, just hey, let, me, let me hang up. Hey, guys, oh. I got to go. You have a good one, and I'll, uh, I'll look forward to hearing this later. Okay. So, uh, thanks, thanks, all. For thanks for stopping you, Anton. By, Anton. Have a good one. Pretty sure the sirens were there for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why else would he have made such a rapid exit just as we started to hear police sirens? What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. <laughs> He's ducking into the sewer. <laughs> <laughs> There's just uh, an anecdotal story, though. T today, I tweeted about this earlier on, but um, I was in a brick-and-mortar game shop. I haven't, like, I haven't set foot in one of those in, well, I don't know, three years or something. I, I usually buy everything online. Um, but I happened to be passing one, and they, they had a sale on, so I had to go in. Uh, while I was in there at the counter waiting for the... Um, slower than average store clerk to sort all the, the what I was buying out the next to me there were two guys who look as, as do bro-ish as you could imagine like the like the look basically you could see you, you could just pin them as Call of Duty players just by looking at them and sure enough one of them was holding Call of Duty in his hand <laughs> and they were having a quite in-depth very polite very friendly discussion with the female store clerk who was serving them well I don't even know if she was actually serving them I think they were just talking about the state of gaming <laughs> like at no point did sexism or anything like that come up they were talking about actual industry things like who's lefty the guy who's lefty a and is now taking over unity and all that sort of thing and i know it's 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 another one of these like some of my best friends are black type situation but it is another example of things happening that don't fit in with this narrative that is apparently what gamergate is about if you look at the media yeah that's another thing john a lot of uh similarities between the, the gamergate and uh other uh, i call them intrusions uh, where where these types, the social justice warriors, come into a an already existing movement or or hobby or or even just a you know like atheism, and and they'll come in and and now we can't talk about atheism, we can't talk about games themselves, we have to talk about how uh how how they're not as diverse as they should be or how they're not, you know how they have too much sexism and wait we just wanted to talk about games or atheism or you know whatever you and now we have to talk about all this other stuff yeah and, it's uh, um I, I did mention this at some point i can't remember if it was on a podcast or not but the whole thing to me just feels like uh the social justice types panicking because basically the sort of change that they're supposed to be responsible for they're they're like edicts that bring about all the, the pleasant um inclusiveness to the world were happening in the gaming industry and they had nothing to do with it and to me it really felt like a shit everybody quick get your nebs in so that it looks like we did it because that's like that's one of my favorite examples to bring up is uh like leaving aside the whole gaming market thing like the, the arguments that half the women are gamers but leaving aside the fact that half women prefer to play like fruit ninja or whatever it is on, on facebook games and aren't actually bothered about the triple a games when you look at actual triple a games the last tomb raider was written by not only by a female writer but a female writer who's a big advocate of of the same sort of things that anita sarkeesian says she's actually like supported anita sarkeesian a few times and it did very very well 
So like I can I, I can't see where this like the gaming industry as a whole is trying to keep women out of gaming. It's got it's got women in CEO positions, it's got women in writing positions, it's got games with female protagonists that are very successful. Basically the gaming industry is doing what makes the gaming industry money. Yes. You, what do you guys think of the power or the the idea of narrative? How critical do you think narrative is in all of this? Building a narrative, maintaining one? Are we on about in a game or like the narrative of like game? Oh, game no, no, well, those are important too. But I'm talking about the the social activity that's been going on with calls for misogyny. Um, oh, it's 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 essential for what they're doing. the 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 only reason this is still going on is because for once they've picked on a group that's willing to build up a narrative of their own. Yeah. <laughs> Usually, like for example, when it's atheists, for like when the social justice people gang up on Richard Dawkins and all that, that's a disparate group that aren't really willing to organise and fight back. Or the people that do want to fight back are in such small numbers that it doesn't really make a difference. But in this case, everybody was pissed off and got together and they fought back, you know, together, which made a big difference. Yeah. And yes, it's definitely uh, in their it's in their advantage to have a narrative. Uh, to have uh, a and for it not to necessarily be representative of the facts, it's in their advantage to put this as it's a bunch of uh, cishet white dude bros that are resisting the in- inclusive nature of games. When when and and we all know that, like John said, that's this was beginning to happen or had already be, uh, been happening organically. So uh, yeah, very much they need a narrative. And to be honest, the, the organic thing, I don't even think it's, it's like, there was no conscious effort in gaming to be more inclusive. I think it was just more a case of women being more in, like, starting to feel like they wanted to do this. And that's really, that's really all it comes down to in any of these fields is women want to do it. Cause like, they, they, like, whenever people talk about pay gaps or, um, underrepresentation, they're never really that willing to talk about things like construction or street cleaners or anything like that. Like, where's, where's all the women in those jobs? You know, gaming has so much to do with creativity. I don't see the argument as far as limitations go of what could be done. There are people have, have given examples already, and that's what I mean by narrative. They make it sound like there are very set conditions, there is a very set way we got here, and there's this, their perspective is the only way to resolve it. Um, but we're talking about a creative format. I mean, just off the top of my head, uh, if somebody made an online game where a bunch of you know, let's take housewives, right? often considered the most boring, unpotential scenario. If you gave me a housewife scenario where I could suddenly go and run around hit people with a frying pan, I would probably try it out. Especially if <laughs> if everyone online was able to suddenly take over a housewife and battle over the neighborhood, you know, it's just off the top of my head. Holy shit, is that, not, is that a game? That would be an awesome game, man, wouldn't it? That is basically GTA <laughs> with housewives. I want that yeah. game. <laughs> No, no, because yeah, it's it, and that's one of the things I didn't. If it, were you aware of some of these uh, that were calling for uh, games that that are trying to take the fun out of the equation? Uh, have you seen any of these, John? Did you see some of those? Uh, I uh, think no, uh, no. Sargon. I think Sargon did a video uh, where they were one of the articles that were published uh, was like, well, games aren't games are you know now moving to be you know this socially social. Uh, commentary and it doesn't have to be fun and i was like what no games that's what they are they're supposed to be fun um i'll, I'll link it i'll uh, tweet it out to you later if you want john well it's um i, I guess the argument could hold what well okay have you ever played dear esther no that's this is no. usually my go this is usually my go-to game in that because um there was a running joke among uh, some of the people i used to play games with that i played that game 
which isn't really a game far too many times but it's basically there's there's no game element you've just got four, four chapters you're on like a kind of island and you walk around this it's a very beautiful looking island like graphics wise great graphics and everything for what it was and you walk around this island and as you're walking around you get kind of narration and um to be honest, I still don't quite know what the story was about, but it's it's very artsy, and it kind of sparked a bit of a debate as to is this a game or is it like an art project or do they have to be two separate things? I guess if that can straddle the line between an art project and a game, then I suppose you could have something straddle the line between a p a PSA and a game. But that that the the idea that games don't have to be fun. I don't want to argue that that's wrong on principle because at the end of the day, the game should be whatever gamers are willing to pay for. Right. <clears throat> I mean, oh, well, I, sorry, I killed that. <laughs> well, I imagine there'll always be some limitations, and that's where they get their foot in the door. Like, okay, so always the nearest to these discussions would be issues of race, right? Next to sexism. So if someone down south made a video game, and wanted to sell it in stores out in the open where it was, and, you know, making light of or even being pro uh, racist attitudes towards black people or mexicans or anything there would be still people that say look we need to put some limitations on what's allowed to be put on shelves blah 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 and i think most of us wouldn't bother arguing in certain circumstances but within that realm of gray area we get some this is what i'm thinking some pretty ridiculous arguments well there's there's a difference between actual censorship and and just like people protecting the business like I, th- I think an outlet should be allowed to put a racist game on their shelves if they wanted i would hope that the general public would kind of speak with their wallet not buy that not shop at that store and that store would go shit we, you know we, we, we don't want to be putting racist games on our shelves because we're getting a negative response and they don't do it but a different argument would be whether anybody should be allowed to sell a racist game that's i suppose that's that's getting into realms of hate speech and and all that and that's a different issue altogether but i don't think there should be any policing on what the store can sell in in the realms of legality as long as the game itself is legal the store should be allowed to sell it it should be down to the public to let that store know that they're not happy with it well games aren't perfect but the games that are successful are not games revolving around racism or rape or any of these other explosive social topics. The ones that are popular, actually, it's usually about war, which is really horrible. <laughs> but you don't hear anyone going... Or zombies. Or zombies, yeah. And, and you, Just bought Dead Rising 3 today. Where, where, are the, where are the big speech, speaking engagements for social activists against war? Like, it's should, not... Shouldn't Amnesty International have someone at every one of these con, uh, conventions for the latest video games, E3, whatnot? Getting the main stage, hey, look, you're endorsing war. Because well, it's ridiculous. It's a most ridiculous of the, uh, Most of the wars are either long since gone, like World War Two, or fictional or in the future. So there's not really anything. Like if, if we were talking about, say, the Vietnam War, and I think Call of Duty, one of the recent Call of Duty ones, was that in the Vietnam War? But anyway, I, I'm, shoot, is that really my thing? But I bet <laughs> if it was the Vietnam War or if it was the Afghanistan War, there's probably going to be somebody complaining from right, like the the. Um, one of the recent Call of Duty games had you play the terrorist in a train station or, a, or an airport or something, and you actually had to shoot hostages. Hostages. Oh, yeah, hostages. That was Black Ops, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. and that, that caused quite a bit of uproar. But the the, um, the whole thing about they need something to latch onto. So, like, in Grand Theft Auto, you can kill prostitutes. You're not required to kill prostitutes, and you can also kill random white guys walking down the street, but you can kill prostitutes. So that's something they can zero in on and, yeah. and just like hold this part up and say, look at this misogyny. It's a bit harder to do that in war games. Cherry picking. Cherry picking. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying that the, it just shows how ridiculous it is if someone from Amnesty International 
took the time to take the stage and E3 gave it to them, like the main stage, both would lose respect in people's eyes because it's a ridiculous argument. People that play war games are often vehemently anti-conflict. Yes, I imagine the Amnesty International people are probably a little bit busy doing actual yeah. good in the world. Stopping people from being hung and whatnot. Yeah. Rather uh, than protecting it. One thing that uh, I, I'm going to circle back here a little bit. One thing that uh, you when you were talking about Miss Sarkeesian and uh, the, the one thing that, that really irked off a lot of gamers, in my opinion, wasn't necessarily what she was saying. It was the way that there was no discussion allowed. No, all the comments were closed. Yeah. Um, she wasn't. Uh, she wouldn't go and and openly discuss these um, with with people who were saying, "Look, you're cherry picking. Look, you're doing this. Uh, this is a false argument. You were actually factually wrong about this game." You know, it was no discussion was allowed. And so when when a group of people feel like they can't even uh, you know, discuss something with you, of course, their level of anger and bile towards that person uh, is going to rise. You just bought yourself another Saturday, mister. Oh, crushed. You just bought one more right there. Well, I'm free the Saturday after that. Beyond that, I'm going to have to check my calendar. Good, because it's going to be filled. We'll keep going. You want another one? Say the word. Just say the word. Instead of going to prison, you'll come here. Are you through? No. I'm doing society a favor. So? That's another one right now. I've got you for the rest of your natural born life if you don't watch your step. You want another one? Yes. You got it. You got another one right there. That's another one, pal. So, sorry to break the chain of the conversation there, but yeah, that's that's one of the reasons why, um, with even with Gamergate, when they started uh, shutting down, uh, I, and I've never been to Reddit, but they, apparently they started shutting down and deleting thousands of Reddit comments and, and uh, and, yeah, and Reddit, just Reddit, wouldn't allow the discussion. Well. Yeah. Right, right. 4chan, they, they wouldn't even allow discussion. Nothing will irk people more than not letting them have their put their two cents in. <laughs> Did either of you guys hear that song I put together about free speech from uh, Hitchens? Yes. No. I made it as a standalone post because I figured people would possibly want to just uh, download it and listen to it on its own. Didn't you uh, put it as the intro? It was, yeah, your, uh, that's right. Yeah, it was also an intro, yes. actually, to your show, uh, your episode, uh, John. <laughs> oh, in that, in that case, I have heard it, but I wasn't obviously paying enough attention. <laughs> I've, I've definitely listened to that episode. I've listened to anything I'm on just to see how much of a tit I made of myself. I just thought it was in Canada, and I just thought so much of what he said this has so much relevance with all of these types of conflicts about if people would just, you know, basically grow up and allow other people to have their say, a lot of these problems would reduce. I do think there's a big conflation with free speech these days, though. Like, people get deleted from 4chan and they start crying censorship, but it's not really censorship. Nobody's stopping that person from having their opinion. They're just saying you can't have it on here, which... Right, but my it, my, my issue is more with 4chan and, and, and companies like this that like to talk the talk, come here, have conversations, and then when they don't like something, it gets too hot, well, let's shut it down. Like, that's... Oh, yeah, I, I agree. It's bad that. what 4chan did. It's not censorship. Uh, I'm not saying it's censorship, but it's still bullshit. No, but a, lot the, a lot of the people <laughs> that were angry at 4chan did say censorship, and they always and they say it's censorship when when PZ Myers deletes a comment from the Free Thoughts blog or something. It's not, yeah. it's not censorship. It's just this person saying you can't talk. I'm not going to allow your opinion in my space. And and for clarity, uh, what Hitchens was addressing, he was in Canada to speak against hate uh, hate laws. 
hate, <laughs> oh, sorry, hate speech laws. So in other words, certain things were now hate speech and they had their own laws. And he was like, okay, this is clearly against free speech. So just for clarity, that's specifically what he's addressing in that. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> I just didn't want to take him out of context or make it sound different. <laughs> no, it's certainly, John's right. It's not censorship. It's, it's just... Uh, making someone who wants to have their opinion, making someone who wants to have a discussion and have a back and forth where you can actually try and resolve some issues, making them have to go somewhere else and get their opinion out. And then now, now there's no, there's no resolution. And, uh, you know, it's just my, my narrative versus your story way over here on the other side of the internet. Yeah. And, uh, it's unproductive and it, and it's irksome. So slight, slight side note, but well, what's what do you think? Is there an argument to be made that at some point it could be considered a form of censorship when not only are you prevented from speaking on these other people's forums, but also you're being blocked and reported on something like Twitter for no reason, other reason than your opinion, rather than any actual abusive behaviour. And bearing in mind that being blocked and reported can be enough to get you removed from Twitter. At, like at some point, is there a point where yes, you can espouse your views? But you've been limited to such a small, you know, um, invisible sort of space that you can say that view that it could be called censorship, even though technically you can still shout your opinion from the street corner, but there's nobody that'll listen. Yeah, well, it's you're, are you maybe getting at the interconnectivity of how you can be traced from one thing to another, even if particular instances are not nailing you for why you're being silenced? Is that kind of what you're getting at? Well, I was just thinking, this, like, like, like I said, you can't call it censorship if you're not allowed to comment on 4chan. But then, if you're also, if the same people who have like brought about that to happen also get you kicked off of Twitter or suspended from Twitter, right. and and you get to a point where really the only place that you can put your opinion out there is your own blog or something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know what? And uh, I would, you know, I would say because there's a part in that song where Hitchin goes, "Who's going to decide?" Who will you give the authority to decide what you can read or what you can hear or what you can say? Who will you appoint for that position? And I was thinking if I made a, like a YouTube video, the first things that popped in my head were things like Facebook, Twitter. I wasn't thinking government at all when he was saying this because we are now so much more involved in this online social communication that the scope of being silenced in that kind of way you're talking about by not by just one, but by many becomes immediate and very real world um, has a real-world impact. Well, I think we just need to update maybe how our laws work in guiding these well, companies. Yeah. <laughs> in yeah, guiding these companies. Laws that need updating for technology. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I think that they're ah. just seeing their own part of it. The Facebook, you know, it's not going, oh, we're silencing them everywhere. They're just saying, well, you know, these feminists are really upset in this way. Uh, we don't like that. It's bad press. We'll comply. And we'll link our efforts to do so with this other social company over here and this one over here. And they're not, I don't think they're conspiring to silence people in the way that they could, but it could get to that point where if you are on the outs of a certain topic, you might have to like regenerate all of your accounts or whatever. <laughs> and the interesting thing about Gamergate though is that for once there's enough people of, of all the minorities and all the sexes and genders and whatever on the other side of the argument that certain companies have gone the other way and pulled like Gamma, uh, Gamma Sutra ads down because of the pushback from the Gamergate people, which includes a lot of women and a lot of minorities. Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, did you see that uh, they were, the, the, the other side, the anti-Gamergate sides were complaining about the targeting of advertisers when I am pretty sure that when, like, Barilla, the pasta manufacturer, had that um, 
anti, uh, you know, they didn't want to include uh, homosexuals on there, that uh, the social justice types went and boycotted it and wrote letters to them and uh, wouldn't and wrote letters to places where they advertised. It's like, it's, it's okay for us to do it. <laughs> when yeah. you guys are doing it, it's not cool. <laughs> yeah. I, and, and the Chick-fil-A thing. Justice. Yeah. It sometimes boycotts backfire, like Chick-fil-A backfired completely. Yeah. <laughs> I think that there's validity in that. It's, it's all about ethics, right? When we're talking about businesses now, it's ethics. These companies need to develop a sense of ethics that are not simply a case-by-case basis. I mean, you, you analyze each case, but you don't pick and choose. Uh, this group, this time, we're going to silence people for them, or we're going to ban things from for them. This time over here, oh, we don't really care so much. It's this. This puts you on really shaky ground with the changing scope of of who's uh, who's willing to support you and your relevance. Well, that's, well, that's essentially. Like, I'm I'm a big proponent of capitalism, and I like the idea that a company can theoretically be allowed to do whatever it wants, but will be held in check by the consumer because obviously, if it does things the consumer disagree with, then they lose business, and that's bad for business. But um, the 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 practical problem with that is they don't obviously know what every consumer is thinking immediately yeah. and then they they only have to gauge that on the voices that they hear and these dickheads are the loudest voices nine times out of ten uh, the the difficulty with that, that to some extent uh or with companies again i'll name facebook even though it sounds now like i'm picking on them uh well, facebook's fine pick away um, <laughs> I, I i use them and Facebook is really good for a general audience. Most of the people that use Facebook, they'll they'll circulate things and talk about things, but they're not there to use it as a platform, so to speak. Most people not. So when Facebook does things like it strips certain accounts because they're using a, a word that's considered naughty uh, or they're against a certain point of view and someone complained, most people will be completely oblivious to this. They'll have no idea and they'll mm. continue to support it. And there's no real alternative to Facebook. So what's a company gets I that big? Bro. What's that? Diaspora is an alternative to Facebook. Yeah, I think, scattering I think into the wilderness. Four yeah, I think there's about four people using that platform at the minute. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just saying that's a difficulty. I'm not saying it's censorship, but it is difficult because sometimes they make some pretty crazy uh, decisions. And where do you go? Where do you hop off to, to show your opposition? As soon as you find, you can jump off Facebook, but then I know there's some people that's the only way I contact them anymore because they move around. I don't have their number after a while. It's, uh, it's really, really though. Who's who's using Facebook as a platform to espouse political views? I mean, I, I would, I would never say Zoe. Zoe, we've had on the podcast, is the first person that I've got on Twitter who I met through Twitter that is also on Facebook. So, and she, so she's seen the difference between the sort of things that I say on Twitter will never cross over to Facebook, or very, very, very rarely, because all the people on Facebook are actual friends and like real life friends and family members and all that sort of thing. And there's been three occasions where I've talked about actual views with people on Facebook, and they've resulted in not being friends with that person on Facebook anymore. And one of them was about horses on the road, for Christ's sake. Well, I'll give you an example. Uh, news headlines are often circulated by people you know, right? Yeah. Okay, so people can circulate a lot of different news headlines about different events that are going on socially. One of the areas that hypothetically could get me into trouble is if I circulate some stuff from men right, men's rights issues, uh, things that are going on in the courts or such and such. Some people try and push that as hate. Yeah. Um, that's just an example of what I mean like as a lower-key platform. We Well, for the show, we also have our, our page. But it, I don't think that I would consider Facebook my uh, my main area of interest. Um, but like you were talking before, this stuff's getting more interconnected. What if Twitter, Facebook, uh, a few of these big giants get together and are like, okay, let's have a moral council on 
uh, what things have to be shut down. Like, that would be a really bad event. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And it's something Twitter's been trying the damnedest to avoid doing for the longest time. But every now and again, they get pushed into suspending an account because there's been enough complaints about it or blocking discussion on a certain topic or, or changing the features of Twitter because enough people have complained about it. But really, Twitter just want to be completely hands-off and not have anything to do with what you're saying. They just want to be the place that you're saying it on. Just one of the last bastions of free speech, huh? In social <laughs> media, anyway. That's a sad state of affairs. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you're limited. To, and you're limited to 140 characters. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, hey, uh, I, I have to run. Um, it's it's dinner time here, but uh, so um, I just wanted to thank you for having me on. And uh, uh, did you want to? Uh, did, did you want to give me the the, the out thing, the yeah, outro? <laughs> uh, well, I'll, since you're going, I'll let you both go. Um, but I'll give you both a chance to promote what your activities are where people can find you go ahead john nope. um well you can uh, find me on twitter at, at b-e-a-g-r-i-e there's a link in the bio you can find just about everything i'm doing from there um that's oh, on the anti-social justice podcast of course <laughs> yeah i nearly forgot to say anything about it and uh i am subman usn on the apostasy now podcast and uh, you can also find me on Twitter at SubmenUSN, and I have a YouTube channel, SubmenUSN. I have a blog at uh, Skepticism with a S-C-H, schism.com, at uh, our slash uh, Periscope Depth. Nice. If you guys, you... If, you, if you want to shoot me links, um, I'll try and find your stuff on my own, but if you want to shoot me links as well, I'll put them in the show notes. All right, guys. All Again, right. thanks for having me on. John, hey, I'll see week. you on Twitter, and it's always good to hear you. You too, man. And uh, take it easy, guys. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on, man. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for having me on. Thanks for being here. I mean, it's a bit of a shame, but they were just too fucking stupid to survive. Happens all the time in the animal kingdom when you think about it. You dumb rakins and stupid birds, crazy squirrels, pork pigs that get hit by cars and Helps over control population, the things that are fucking stupid. This is Smashlock and Mr. Dragonbeard from Apostasy Now. If you have any questions or comments or would like to be a guest on our show, contact Mr. Dragonbeard at... You can reach us at the WordPress page we have set up for apostasynow.net. Leave a comment there. You can also reach us through my Twitter at Mr. Dragonbeard, all lowercase. Or even better yet, leave a comment or some type of a post uh, to get in contact with us over on Facebook. Uh, we have a page, Apostasy Now Podcast. Everyone's welcome. I've never seen so many dead hookers in all my life. Lord knows I have. Ah!